art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Emerald City Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is an episode of the New Release Room. And uh, that means I'm Russ, and this is Zach. Hello, how goes it? It goes. Uh, goes today it goes. We, are, we are getting together to talk about a movie that... Uh, Spoilers, I liked enough that they quoted me on an ad today. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's pretty good then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it, I actually it's funny, uh so we're talking about Bill and Ted face the music. And uh uh Ed Solomon, who's the writer of the movie, or one of two writers with Chris Matheson. Um Chris being, by the way, the son of Richard Matheson. Um, which I did not know until pretty recently. Um, the like noted sci-fi author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow. yeah, apparently it was Richard Matheson's idea to do a Bill and Ted movie uh, because they were characters that Ed and Chris had put together years before, and they essentially wrote a screenplay that was like a uh, almost like an anthology. It was like a bunch of sketches. Oh, the together. original. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just yeah. like, wait a minute, I'm like, wait, like Richard Matheson, I am legend, like, yeah. like I was just like, he's still alive? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, this was back in the eighties. Back in the eighties, Matheson, like, basically they apparently they were talking about this at some either at the press conference or at uh, at Comic Con, but they had a they had done a uh, a script that was basically like. Uh, a series of these sketches that they had been doing in like improv comedy stuff. And then they showed it to Richard Matheson and he was just like, why do you have all the shit in here? Like, it's clear the one that you're interested in is Bill and Ted, just do Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we're talking about Bill and Ted, which uh, it, this is one of those movies where, uh, and I can't think of another really good example because the last couple of years I've had, like big surprises that that like really took me away uh but this is one of those movies where it's like this is my my like big most anticipated movie of the year even back when there was gonna be movies this year uh i was really excited about bill and ted and so uh i never know if that like positions me to be like uh to give it a huge benefit of the doubt or if that positions me to just like potentially be really disappointed yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but so, what did you think about it? Because, like I said, they they quoted me on an ad today, so probably. <laughs> um, I it was, it was different than what I thought it would be. Like I thought it would be another. It, it's, it's it's kind of like the way that I looked at um, um, uh, Jane Silent Bob um reboot, um. I, I definitely think it was better. Better? Uh, like again, this is just comparison. Yeah. Comparing to the, those two films, not like better than things like that. But like one of the problems is, is that I I uh, I didn't end up seeing 
like I end up trying, like usually we, we share a voodoo and usually like things transfer over, but like, I didn't have the cash to, since they had, um, like whoever owns, owns, um, uh, the Bill and Ted, uh, the first two films. Yeah. We're like, yeah, no, we're not going to put these out for cheaper rental. We're not going to put these out. We're like, we're actually going to boost the price and keep everything high. And so I was just like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I really want to watch the first two before I watch the third because if I had known that I would have passed my thing along to you. I, although no, I, I mean, also you, you, you you did you did offer it, and I was just like, oh no no no, it won't be a problem because yeah. it it had been like three months ago or something like that. It actually had been on Prime mm-hmm. um, or uh, one of those one of those services, and I was like, ah, oh, it's not a problem. Yeah, or I, I was just like, on Hulu right now. Like they were they are someplace streaming, but it's like a weird place. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, either way, it was just was it was one of those like as opposed to the Kevin Smith films, which I have a yeah, like a much powers. much better recollection of. Um, not only because we talk about Kevin a lot more, and because it's one of those uh, you know like things uh, that it, it's just a film, you know, it's like I have a better remembrance of it. Um, yeah, we spent um, all of college just repeating lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, whatever. I mean, it, it it is what it is, but it. But it is one of those like um, it it had kind of the, it had a, like a similar vibe um, where it, again in a positive way I'm like yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to say this in a negative way uh, but uh, it had a similar vibe of the fact that like um, it was two guys yeah. that are clearly a little bit older and yeah. kind of going through a lot of things I think that the um, I think that the what the way obviously since the concept of the film and everything like that is yeah. time travel, it's a little bit easier to do that than, <laughs> than being like, Oh, we're, we're doing this again. Um, yeah. uh, like it was better. Like, I, I think that I, I dug that a lot. Um, I, I enjoyed the film a hell of a lot. I enjoyed the like callbacks to certain things. I, I enjoyed all the jump backs to like, previous um previous incarnations and kind of like yeah. their like space time theory sort of thing um i i'm trying to figure out like i'm still trying to i've been trying to think about it since like since I, I saw it like uh five days ago um yeah. whether or not like i like it as much as the other ones i'm not quite sure yeah. about that um but again one of the problems is is like it's just like every single every single film that's either done a remake or a you know a reboot like five years later 10 yeah. years later 15 years later i mean this one's what 20 years later 30, 30. 25 30 years uh, later? 20 well the uh, bogus journey was 1991 so 29 yeah uh and, and uh, so it, it just ends up being um um it just ends up being one of those things where it's just like i, I, I I'm like, I want to like this more than I did, but am I also like, do I have this imaginary remembrance of how good the last ones were? Um, because they're an iconic, like game changing. It would, it would just be like if back to the future came out with like back to the future Four right now. Yeah. It would be like, Oh man. I mean, it, it's definitely not an Indiana Jones four thing where it's just like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that not only yes i i realize everyone that didn't happen we're just talking about mm-hmm. in theory that if they had produced it um um 
but uh like that was so much worse and they were yeah. trying to like call back like a lot of the emotions and they clearly failed um, yeah i i will say one of the reasons that i think a lot of the callbacks in this work is because they're like tonal or thematic callbacks um yeah. ed, ed and chris had not watched either movie like either of the previous two movies that they'd written yeah uh when they were writing face the music yeah uh, and and so it's one of those things where i was like i picked out a bunch of lines of dialogue and i was just like oh did you notice that this and this and this from the beginning of bogus journey are all like paid off very directly in face the music yeah and they're like we had no idea <laughs> 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 that's one thing that i that's one thing i always love about like when you talk to like whether it be like I, uh, I guess kevin again kevin's a bad example on that and that thing because kevin fucking remembers everything oh, and like, <laughs> like that's his that's his shtick <laughs> you know i mean like the fact that he remembers like no i i do remember the fact that there was a uh whatever plush toy in the background of the scene yeah. scene five minutes into the film like because that's referential shit is his kind of thing but um for like most people like you talk to like you know people in star in the star wars world the walking dead yeah. world or whatever and they're like i what what <laughs> like yeah. you know more about this world than i do and uh but <laughs> that's funny. yeah one of um, my favorite one of my favorite things of that as i was talking to solomon the other day about i i, I called him up to do to ask a follow-up question about the ending uh which i won't spoil the ending here but we'll get into a little bit of the thematics of it and i, I was talking to him and i said like my my question essentially was in the previous movies when rufus comes uh he talks about bill and ted as if it's settled history like that there's no question and then in this film uh when you meet the great leader which is rufus's widow uh she says essentially well there are other interpretations of the information that, that rufus was acting on and so it becomes this thing where they kind of tweaked it a little bit so instead of being settled history now it's a it's a uh, prophecy and that actually worked really well within the context of this movie because it allows holland taylor's character to have what essentially amounts to a crisis of faith without like breaking the rules of the universe because if they are settled right. history then you're a fucking idiot for trying to like try for essentially trying to stand in their way because you think like oh no fucking with them is the thing that's going to help um whereas if you can if you can reframe it as like well this is a this is a prophecy and R rufus was the like premier acolyte or whatever hmm. it's a different thing um and and when i told like when i laid that out for ed he was just like we never thought about it in those terms when we were writing it but i like that i'm gonna steal that <laughs> <laughs> but uh I've, I've had some weird conversations lately actually about this movie uh i was talking to paulie shore uh for his movie guest house which comes out on friday and <laughs> really what yeah what? He's, this he's, is a very he's, like 90s <laughs> I know it's it's like a but it's actually like a legit movie where he's actually playing a character instead of just being like Polly Shore. Polly Shore. Yeah. Because ever since Polly Shore is dead, which by the way I I, I maintain is his best movie because I I love that film. But ever since I mean, Polly it, Shore is dead, it's a lot dead, like John Claude Ben's John Claude Van Damme's best yeah, film is JCBD. Uh, JCBD. Yeah. Like hands down, yeah, no exactly. questions asked. Yeah. Yeah. But like the thing that's the thing that like 
happened to Polly Shore is that after Polly Shore is dead, he's done nothing except for like a bunch of cameos where he plays Polly Shore. Yeah. And this is the first time in almost 10 years he's had like an actual starring role in a movie that somebody paid for. Um, <laughs> but but so I was talking to him and and he was talking about how like his character is a fundamentally good guy and like that you know even when he's dumb or even when he's annoying like he's he's fundamentally a decent there's a decency there and he was like and this is why this is why Bill and Ted works and and he starts going off like unprovoked not knowing that I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan uh Polly Shore just is like and this is this is why the Bill and Ted thing works right now because we're all so fucking depressed and angry and like yeah. you got this movie it's about these two guys who are just like fundamentally nice dudes trying to do the right thing um yeah and uh so that was that was an interesting like okay so Polly Shore was apparently super into this yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's it is one of those funny things where it's just like there's a certain it's such a very specific i mean i think yeah. that we're on the outside of the age group but i mean like we're always on the outside of kind of entertainment age groups like we well, and and because my dad like when yeah. i was that age like was when uh the you had a laser disc of it didn't you <laughs> uh no we never had a laser really player. no <laughs> We we went straight from the CED discs to VHS, and then I didn't have a new format till DVD. Wait, you what, what was the disc? The... CEDs were the, the the big ones with the plastic. Oh, okay, okay. I always thought that I always thought that those were laser discs, not I, something else. I think they are some kind of like proto laser yeah. disc, but it's yeah. a different player and a different. They're like different. I think that they're like mini discs in the way yeah. like the way that mini discs are like basically CD players. Yeah. In the fact that like where basically it's a plastic cover around a CD and then you put it in, but still like it's (laughs) the one key difference. And this is a key difference because it's what made the CED player an unsustainable uh, piece of technology. Yeah. Is that they didn't have optical audio on those discs. They had, uh, they had optical video and then they had a needle reading the soundtrack. Yeah. And so on the players, like the needle breaks or if something starts to skip or whatever, uh, you know, and if you if you bump the disc player, it'll scratch. And it basically is a, a scratch on your DVD made by the needle. And so then you've got this like horrible skip in the middle of yeah. the movie uh, oh. in a time when that wasn't a common thing to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, like uh, having a record player on a, a film is not really a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, but what I was going to say is that because my dad worked at that grocery store and across the street was the depot where we had, where they had video rentals and like they were both, both buildings were owned by the same person. So we got free rentals. And so as a kid, like from like seven to like 14, I was always watching things that were not really necessarily kid movies. And it's like, I remember watching Bill and Ted a thousand times. Um, like I remember having a rental cassette cause it had this, uh, like five minute infomercial on the beginning of it that <laughs> yeah. was like, call this 900 number to win a skateboard and a VCR yeah. and, and whatever else. And it was hosted by Amy Stotch who plays Missy and George Carlin. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> and funny story about this, I recently, I was, I was telling this exact same story about the, the like this video on the beginning of the tape. 
to Diane Franklin, who played Princess Elizabeth in the first villain movie. The princesses get recast every single movie for whatever reason. But uh, so she played uh, she played one of the princesses in the first one. And like she and I are friendly. And so when I was doing a Legends of Tomorrow thing recently, she actually reprised her role as Princess Elizabeth for my like little video. Yeah. And while we were recording her audio, uh, I mentioned that that thing to her. And she's like, she had no idea because she'd never watched it on tape. <laughs> because <laughs> I assume that when you're in a movie, they give you a copy that doesn't have 19 commercials on it. Really? Um, <laughs> and so I like I sent her. A, I mean, a it's actually thing. weirdly actually something I wonder about. Like I I've actually never thought to ask anybody because they're like, why would you ask them? They're like, yeah, what are the logistics of them? Do they give you like the actual DVD? Because I mean, like you know, you've talked to like Jurgens and things like that. Yeah. We were like, wait, they made a toy out of the comic book character I created? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a question yeah. mark. Like, wait. I didn't know this. And so it's just like, how many yeah, actors? I like, literally, did Keanu Reeves, I, I was at Target did, during Comic-Con. You know, did, um, you know, Terry Gillum get the, the, the Criterion box set, like, sent to him? I, I, I would hope he did, but, like. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a really good question. I, I just assume, at the time, she either never watched the movie, because I know there are people who don't watch the stuff they're in. Which um, I would totally get. I've never watched yeah. most of them documentaries so i mean weirdly uh again like the reason ed solomon and chris matheson didn't watch the first two movies is because i know at least ed does not like to watch his own stuff like prior to uh prior to face the music being a thing the only time he had watched excellent adventure or bogus journey since they were released was when they came out on dvd and they had to record a commentary track yeah and so like you you can't not watch that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as as a result of that, by the way, I've I've officially pitched him that like if the if there's no commentary track on this Blu-ray, that like before the stories are old, he needs to like come and ha- and like either come on Emerald City or come at ComicBook.com something and yeah. like record a commentary with me because like I don't want to wait 12 years and then have him do like. In, in the, the Bogus Journey commentary especially, they were just like, oh, there's like a 10-minute section in the middle of here that I don't like, and I forgot it was in the movie. <laughs> It'd also be like, we have to wait out, wait for the, like, 10K version of, yeah, of the where is. they, like, up everything and, like, you know, reconditioned everyone's faces so they look whatever. Like, God only knows what it's going to... I mean, the idea that physical media is going to, you know, whatever exists yeah. in 10 years. But um, <laughs> if know, it the does. Fact Disney, the fact that Disney has now decided to stop making yeah. 4K uh, Blu-rays is, is probably a thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like the movie a lot. I think that, to me, it worked for the same. It's funny you, you make the comparison to Jane Silent Bob reboot. I, we had not talked about the movie in the time between when you watched it and now. But I was thinking in my head the whole time, I was like, he's not going to have liked it as much as me. Uh, and I was thinking of it in the context of Reboot, because it's just like, there's a lot of things in the two movies where it's like, they aren't executed the same way, but thematically it's the same. Like, there's actually like a speech in this movie that's really analogous to the Chasing Amy speech in Jane Silent Bob Reboot, where yeah. uh, Affleck's talking about his kid. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, side note on that. Yeah. Um, all of those jokes about how he's not Batman anymore 
yeah. are, are are now they're they're different now. Yeah. Because he's yeah. Batman again. <laughs> <laughs> and kind yeah, sure. Kind of. I mean like I assume he's Batman for like a couple scenes in a film because Yeah. I think in well, the way that he was Batman for Suicide Squad or something, maybe? It it'll <laughs> like, be a little more than that because uh, it's in the Flash movie. Um and and he's like the mentor figure. But my yeah. guess, my guess is because they they've talked about, uh, or at least the rumor has been, that uh, they want to bring Michael Keaton's Batman in to be like a mentor figure to yeah. everybody, younger heroes. Yeah. And that would open the door theoretically for them to do like Batgirl and Nightwing and all that kind of crap. Um, and that way they can keep the Robert Pattinson Batman, which is a separate separate timeline, and not feel like they're excluding Batman from the main, you know, whatever. So yeah. my guess is, uh, before Flash saunters off to explore the multiverse, he has some scenes with Affleck Batman, and then either we see Affleck Batman say goodbye, or we mm-hmm. just don't see him say goodbye, and he's replaced by Michael Keaton at some point in the story because multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was that's it's just one of those things where I was I was like rewatching that speech because I'm going to write an article about the similarities between like the third acts of these two movies. And yeah. as I was listening to that speech again, I'm like, all these Batman jokes are weirder now that he's going to be Batman again. <laughs> it would be, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I was, but I was thinking as I was thinking about it, I was like, Zach's not going to have liked this as much as me. Cause he didn't like reboot as much as I did. <laughs> and and they, they, it's a lot of shared DNA. Like I actually, I yeah. think I tweeted, oh, um, if you like Jane Silent Bob Reboot or Cobra Kai, this this is a movie that you should definitely be watching. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a fan. I'm not a really a big fan of Cobra Kai, but I know a lot of people who really are. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to like because um, I watched it. I watched it a couple of days, like uh, I guess a week ago now. Like I basically watched it right after you sent it uh, sent it to me, and um, and I'm trying to remember what like the specifics. Like of course I didn't take notes because I'm I'm, you know, uh, whatever bad at this job and a hack and a whatever and a fraud. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it's uh, it was it, I, I think it just came down to um, like for Jane Silent Bob um, reboot. I, I think it just came down to mostly the um, like uh, the lack of movement outside of the original uh not not outside of the original but outside of kind of the world like right. I even like clerks 2 like all of his other films that kind of like are not the original core couple films that Kevin yeah. did um like I felt like moved things forward yeah. a little bit or changed it up or whatever and this was so much uh like um reboot was so much of a callback yeah. And I, I, I enjoyed it. I like, think there's no there's no right, scenario no, where I didn't no. enjoy it. This obviously is a very different thing, and it, and and is very and definitely called and definitely um, did something different. Um, it's not like oh, it's like callback. It's just all callbacks and things like that. Um, it just was a. It was just one of those like I don't know. It felt it's it's always tough when. Like there's a you know there's a handful of characters within when it comes to reboots that aren't there anymore 
like the fact that Carlin wasn't any, there anymore. Um, and yeah, I like uh, the fact that when his daughter shows up, they named the daughter Kelly because that's obviously George's daughter's name. Yeah. Um, and like I, I like I either. I, it's also one of those things like where I'm like, I wish that they either had just been like, we're gonna intro with Bill and Ted, and then mm-hmm. we're gonna just dive right the fuck into their uh, their kids who like I enjoyed their kids. Um, See, I, the even though the... even though their kids were a little too much them. Like, I wish that... Um, Weeping, I didn't mind so much. Bridget Lundy Payne looked like she was just trying to, like, channel his 89 performance, uh, Keanu's 89 performance, uh, in, in a way that, like, I looked at it and I was like, okay, this is a little too on the nose. And that was really my only, like, in terms of performances, my only critique in the movie. Um yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and guess that part of your issue with the movie because it's one of the things that like didn't like that I, I watched it twice in in a, a short period of time because the first yeah. time I watched it it was the middle of the night and I was drunk um, but they had told me that the screener was only gonna work for four hours yeah you told so me I, yeah. um, <laughs> I understand that <laughs> so I was like out to dinner with Callie for her birthday had a couple of drinks and then it's like one in the morning and I'm like oh my god are you kidding me so anyway. I watched it in rapid succession. The first time I wasn't as thrilled with it as I was the second time. And part of it is the pacing, I think. Um, Because there is a lot of stuff that happens in this movie. And the movie is like 88 minutes or something. Uh, It happens in, like, it unfolds in real time. Because towards the beginning of the movie, Bill and Ted are told, like, you have 79 minutes to fix the world. You know? Yeah. And so, like, there's that element of it that it makes kind of sense why it sprints so much. Uh, but I think that, like, given the number of the characters that they're dealing with, the like, the number of big ideas they're dealing with, that, like, I would have liked to have seen a slightly longer cut of this movie. Uh, just because I think that it didn't, like, there was never really time to breathe. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like the, the joke from that episode of the Clerks cartoon, where they have that one scene that they're, like, just, they need to get something, and they go, and they get it, and they come back, and they, God, that last scene was quick. Um, so to me, like it, it felt the first time, like it was a little insubstantial because it it just felt like it, it moves so fast and it's trying to do so much in a short period of time that it didn't necessarily track. Um, the second time when I watched it and again, like it might be second viewing syndrome or it might be the fact that like I was in a better frame of mind because it wasn't the middle of the night and I didn't have booze. Um, but like the, the second time around, like, I, I liked it a lot more. Uh, yeah. And again, I had enjoyed it the first time, but, like, I, I loved it the second time around. Um, and and I'm not sure what the, the math is there, but I, I, it would not surprise me if you had a similar reaction to me, which is to, to, say, to say, like, that it feels kind of insubstantial because it's, like, so quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I uh, one. I mean, I, I definitely admit it's 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 uh, um, I wasn't I, 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 I guess I, I thought that it was uh, um, like with the original Bill and Ted's like I, I feel like it's uh, it was something that I feel like I, I you might have actually had to pay attention to a lot a little bit more or a lot more um, as opposed to the original Bill and Ted's are. Um, kind of like the original Kevin, you know, yeah. if we're going to keep this, if we're going to keep this analogy going, like it's popcorn fair or whatever, like this I mean, had like a little bit of like back and forth a little bit more, like 
and the fact that there are new characters. Like if I sat down and rewatched Bill and Ted, uh, the for either one of the first two, um, I don't think that I'd have to like. Yeah, I could be tweeting. You know, I could be like yeah. messaging somebody or something like that. Um, and it wouldn't be like a big deal. Uh, this one, I definitely should like. I I, I definitely re- I wanted to rewatch it. Um, it's just been a weekend. Um, but <laughs> um, but uh, it is. Uh, and I I think that it is a, definitely a film that I, I I feel like I I would like a little bit better on on the second and third and fourth or whatever try. Um, as I, opposed to like some films. I think too, it's like, for, for me, like I just unqualified, like I loved it in the same way that I loved reboot. And, yeah. and, and you were like, you were on the positive side of lukewarm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to, but to me, like part of, part of the thing that's really interesting is that, once you get past that idea that like there's a lot going on and there's new characters and there's yeah, all these yeah, things you exactly. have to, um, there's I think I think the only reason it feels that way necessarily is because of the fact that they have they retain like Ted's dad and his brother and Missy like there are characters from every, like the characters from every other movie pretty much show up. And so the the cast balloons because they they are acknowledging the old stuff as well as telling the new story. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like, okay, well, in the previous movies, we needed to know Bill, Ted, the princesses, Ted's dad, Deacon, Missy. And yeah. it's like, now we need, we still have all of those characters. And then we add the girls and their posse. Um, yeah. And, and they're all characters as opposed to the first couple film, uh, the first two films where there's a ton of characters, but it's like, it's fucking Napoleon. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, like, I don't need to. It's Napoleon. Yeah. Like, and it's like the depth at which any person, any person in high school, which is, you know, when we were yeah. both originally saw these films, like know about Napoleon. He's short. He wears a hat and yeah. has his hand. And that's it. Like, I, I was actually thinking about it the other day because of the fact that I watched this when it first came to VHS, which would have been 1990, because I remember it being on VHS before Bogus Journey hit theaters. Yeah. Um, and and so I was 10, and I'm just like, I, I can't exactly remember what things I didn't get. Um, my favorite yeah. joke in the movie for a long time was the, the fact that they subtitled napoleon saying shit in french like 12 times in a row uh <laughs> but i was thinking the other day there's there's a zero percent chance that at 10 years old that i had any idea what the 69 joke was yeah, yeah. um which by the way i don't know if you noticed got a really subtle callback in this movie um towards the end when they're in the yeah. circuits of time and they're trying to call up that long ass number with like a million digits mm-hmm. uh He's like, you know, Ted says, or Bill says, what's the number? And Ted goes, six, nine. And then there's a pause and then he continues it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just figured that was a like general 69 reference. So. I, I assume it's just, I assume the reason that's there is because of the, the previous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Which again but, could be one of those like moments where you're like, no, I just thought it was funny because 69, man. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Nice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I will say too, one of the things that I have, I told people like 
prior to watching it with people. Like, I, I got to watch it with people at, at some point because uh, I was going to do a screening with my in-laws and it just didn't happen because this weekend was crazy. We were going to do an outdoor thing, but we got rained out. Um, but uh, uh, I've been telling some people, I'm like, you know, I think hardcore Bill and Ted fans, like people like me who really love these movies and have seen them a million times and have posters and stuff, mm-hmm. are going to be a lot more likely to fall in love with this movie than casual fans. Not just because like you're hardcore fans and that's what happens, but also because yeah. like with people who are hardcore Bill and Ted fans, there's been this like ongoing dialogue for about 10 years now where it's like, wait, were we all wrong about Bogus Journey? Is that the better movie? <laughs> like just in terms of filmmaking? Yeah. Um, and and I think this movie is very much a sequel to Bogus Journey as much as it's a sequel to Excellent Adventure. Uh, it, it feels like the, the tone of it and the, the fact that the character, like it's more character driven rather than plot driven and a lot. Yeah. Like you can almost like graph where this movie is, is a, an extension of a curve that was started in, in, in Bogus Journey. Yeah. Uh, and so I think because of the fact that so many casual fans didn't like bogus journey uh and and everybody loves excellent adventure because they've seen it a million times on comedy central i think that there's going to be a certain number of people who are disappointed with this movie because it's not more manic uh or at least like the sense of humor isn't more manic like obviously that's it's got a manic sense of pacing but like bill and ted aren't super dumb the 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 sense of humor isn't leaning into like that nonstop. And so I yeah. think that like that that that's not, I'm not saying that's part for you, but I do think like that's a consideration for for some people is that I think that you're going to see some people who don't like this movie because it is an excellent adventure. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see that. I, I do wonder. I, I mean, I do wonder, though, how many people remember. I, and, and like this is one of the problems of the fact that uh, which one is which and like I I actually like that's that's actually something that I'm trying I've been Focus trying to journey remember. is the one where they oh, die. No, I mean, like, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's just um, it's that was, I think, something I, I kind of regret. Like I literally as we're talking now, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy the the bundle um, on Voodoo they have for like thirty five dollars that which is all three films like yeah. that's worth it. Um, but it, but it's, it, it's, it's always just tough where I'm like, I swear to God, I have a DVD somewhere. How do I not own Bill and Ted's fucking I, I, <laughs> I actually own two copies of each movie on Blu-ray because I had the little <laughs> box set, um, that, that came out a few years back. And then there was, uh, there were some steel books that were really cool. And so I wanted them, <coughs> but the, the steel books, because they're individual movies instead of a set. They don't come with – there's, like, a third disc that's, like, a bunch of bonus features and some of the cartoons, like the Bill yeah. and Ted's Excellent Adventures cartoons. And that third disc is not included in the, the Steelbooks. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, so I have two copies of each movie uh, so that I could have the cool Steelbooks and then just also have this random bonus disc. Yeah. <laughs> but it works out because uh, the, the one with the bonus disc in it also came with a, a Wild Stallions guitar pick. And so now that I've finally finished constructing my guitar, I was yeah. like, my fingers were starting to bother me because I was testing it out for like three hours. Yeah. And I was like, wait, I have a guitar pick in a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, 
But yeah, I I, mean, I, I, I think I like it is one of those things. I mean, like, look at this is not this is not a criticism of the film. This is in any way, shape, and form. It is one of those things where, like, I especially during like this last past year, there's been a handful of things that are like whether it be reboots or referential, or whatever, and like it's been on Netflix, it's been on Prime, it's been on whatever. And, like, I really think that, like, MGM or whatever, whoever the powers that be, like, regretful not dropping the first two on fucking Prime or fucking Netflix and just being like, look at, I know we could probably make some money on selling them, but, like, we're just going to throw it on one of the main streaming services so that people actually have it because, I mean, like... It also would have just been one of those like, oh, my God, like, well, of course, I want to see the third one. Right, you know, it's just yeah. like when they drop, I assume when they drop the fourth Matrix film, if that ever actually happens, uh-huh. they're going to put like the first couple, at least the first Matrix on fucking Netflix or Amazon Prime to like kind of like remind people the HBO Max. Zach. Well, yeah, no, I know. I, I, I have a Roku <laughs> TV, which uh, HBO and Roku don't like each other. And yeah, so, uh, like, yeah. everything that's dropping on HBO, and I'm like, well, I'm never going to fucking see that, I guess, because I'm not connecting up my laptop to the HD to my screen via HDMI <laughs> and paying, like, whatever ridiculous amount it is. Because even though, like, I, you know, my aunt has HBO, like, it doesn't count because I can't... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, basically I'm like, I basically given up on HBO until they figure that shit out. Um, I, blows. I, I have both that and Peacock and both of them have a similar thing. Like yeah, Peacock is the same deal. deal. Yeah. Um, I, you, you, you know, it's funny that, actually. By the way, at Roku or HBO, if you're, or Peacock, if you're fucking listening, which obviously you're not, but like, <laughs> what the fuck, just fucking deal with it. Like, if you're about to launch a new fucking app service and you're being like, no we're not going to be on the most popular television and app and platform service at all because they're charging too much. I mean, like figure, figure it out later. Like it seems like a really bad idea to be like, yeah, we're going to launch a new uh, uh, app service and just be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. Like, 80% 80% of the, the business and, like at least you can just could be where they were just intentionally phones. not going to TV because they thought like that was a good idea um, yeah, exactly fun fact actually about Peacock uh, I did the uh, junket for AP bio because yeah. they uh, the, the show got canceled on NBC yeah. and they got saved by Peacock uh, so I I hadn't watched the show prior to agreeing to do the junket I basically agreed to do the junket because Aparna Brielle from Jane Simon Bob Reboot is in the show. And she was great in Reboot, and she's going to be in Mallrats 2. And so yeah. I was like, sure. Um, so I'm, I'm like doing this junket, and so I had to watch the show. And yeah. uh, halfway through season one, the, the main character, which is Glenn Howerton's character, the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, goes on a date. And the girl he's dating, I'm like, she's so familiar. And finally I gave up trying to think of who it was, and I looked her up. It's Aaron Hayes who plays Princess Elizabeth and Bill and Ted face the music. <laughs> okay. And so as I, as I was doing my AP bio junket the other day, I led with like, Oh, by the way, I was watching, you remember Aaron Hayes from season one. She's one of the princesses in Bill and Ted three. 
And Glenn Howerton just spent the first two minutes of our five minute interview just yeah. talking about how excited he was for Bill and Ted. Like <laughs> to the point where I had to be the grown up in the room and be like, OK, we need to talk about your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I but that was that was a that was one of those uh, great moments though where you're just like I would love to have this conversation but I only have five minutes and I need to get something usable from the star of the show yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that I, like I'm like I can't pull the uh thing where it's just like if I had if I like if I could interview um you know a star from this film uh yeah. from Bill and Ted it would be obviously Samara Weaving and it was just like oh fuck like, yeah, no, I definitely would love to talk to you about, like, embodying one of the, you know, the more famous characters, you know, within our, especially my generation's, like, yeah. uh, or our generation's uh, um, history. But I'm like, but I really want to talk to you about Ready or Yeah. Hmm. Are you there? We got to freeze. Yes, we did. Uh, okay. It seems to be better now on my end, at least. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I'm currently on a, like, watch everything that Samara Weaving has ever done. Can, yeah. And, um, and there's a handful of films. Where I'm like, holy shit, she was in this? Like, yeah. I I was interested in watching this, but now I'm like, I'm definitely watching this. Um, but, it, but it definitely was weird watching her, which, like, I was introduced to her as a full-grown adults getting married yeah. um, in Ready or Not play the child <laughs> the uh, I don't I, how old are they supposed to be like are they like teenagers or are they like early 20s or um are they, I like, mean is it implied like I mean like that I mean they, that was one thing that be, I found yeah they would be the the age that they are in real life they would be like 28 because okay were like though they're the babies that were strapped to villain's head during the concert in uh, bogus journey oh okay uh and so like they were born at the end of 91 and one of the things that that we did establish in this movie is that they're not playing with like a rolling timeline or anything they have decided to just say no like bill and ted's excellent adventure happened in 1988 deal with it yeah um okay samara weaving actually is 28 years old so yeah. <laughs> also, something that I did not know, and you probably do, but uh, something I did not know until she made a joke about it at Comic Con, is that her uncle is Hugo Weaving. I actually did not know that. I, yeah. I never made the connection, honestly. So, even though I just realized, I just bought um, like the first film of hers that I'm like, I'm not quite sure it's good. Um, uh, it's an Australian <laughs> film, <laughs> and like. But it's like one of those I'm like, it's very Australian. And yeah. so like there's a lot of like just the way that like it it's um fucking hell, what the hell is the name of the film? Um but uh it's um seriously, where the fuck is it? Bad girl. Uh it was filmed in twenty sixteen and uh she plays uh I don't know what the the housekeeper to a a wealthy family but it's like impossible like it's one of these like weird things where you're like there's a lot of implications that if you're australian you would just fucking know this because like the fact that they own this house which to me looks like 
well, it's a rural house. Like, it's the middle of fucking nowhere, but right. it's a nice house. So I'm like, I don't know whether that implies that they're, like, really fucking wealthy and this is, like, their second home or whether it's just, like, oh, they're, like, okay. And, like, there's, like, a bunch yeah. of, like, economic issues because she's their housekeeper and there's, like, a lesbian daughter that there's, like, some interact. I've only, like, I stopped it, like, 15 minutes or 20 minutes into the film last night because I was... Oh, I was too drunk to watch any more of it, uh-huh. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but it was one of them, like, I, I, like, I actually want to watch all of her films. Yeah. Uh, not, like, shit-faced. Uh, not, like, Mayhem, where it's just, like, fucking baller fun. Um, yeah. Or Babysitter, yeah. where she plays a fantastic villain. Or same thing yeah. with Guns of Kimbo. <laughs> yeah, the... The, the thing that they joked about at the uh, the Comic-Con panel was just the fact that, like, uh, she was really mad that her, uh, like, adoptive uncle in this movie had killed her uncle in real life a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, it's almost one of those disappointing things, like, knowing that now, and I'm like, they couldn't have gotten Hugo into the film, like, just as a, like, yeah. there, it, it is, it, like, I'm both happy and sad um, that they didn't, they both didn't do that and did do it because, like, Keanu yeah. Reeves since then has had so many lives, like not yeah. only career-wise, but like he is. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I'm trying to think of like other actors, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like even though he is not, I don't think that Keanu Reeves has ever been as big as Bruce Willis ever was like at some point or, right. or as big as ever Arnold was at some point, like he's always been like, eh, you know, like definitely like everybody in the fucking planet knows who Keanu Reeves is. There's no fucking doubt about that, but it's also like what it's never like the same way where, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Terminator. Like, where, uh, yeah, well, you know, you, Bruce you, Willis is diehard. It, and like one of on. those things where, He's he's definitely an A-lister and like he's yeah. a, a walking talking internet meme, but you also can't rely on Keanu to open a movie at fifty million minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, never. I mean, to be fair, I just started watching. <laughs> I just started watching um, Acts of Violence um, by Bruce Willis. Yeah, and Bruce Willis I has a weird second career as like a direct to DVD. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, like. I feel like it's funny because, like, I feel like you could definitely go to, like, that Kevin Smith film. <laughs> like, Cop Out? Yeah, Cop Out was the end of his career. And and weirdly, it's not because of Kevin Smith. Like, it's, Kevin Smith is blameless in this scenario, um, even though, like, it would be very easy to be like, well, he did a Kevin Smith film and thus, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, no, it's just the fact that, like, he started a film – that had that concept and had everything kind of going with, yeah. you know, with everyone else that was in the film. And you're like, that's the clear demarcation line year wise or film wise, yeah. where it's just like, he didn't do like, did he do die hard four or five or whatever the fuck it is after that, I guess. But yeah, even that definitely after that, because I, I remember watching that one with Callie and I think cop out came out when we were dating, but I think it was like one of those things that was hitting dvd by the time we were like living together but it but it's Uh, it's one of those it's it's funny because i'm like in my head of like as a bruce willis fan as a person who actually put on active violence which every sign 
no demand <laughs> said don't bother really don't bother um and i was just like oh oh god it really it the, especially one of those films where it gets like 15 minutes into a film that stars bruce willis and it actually doesn't have bruce willis in it yet and you're like oh yeah oh this I was is yet another somebody film the other like, day i was talking to somebody the other day i cannot remember who for the life of me um but what I was told about his like weird second career as a direct-to-DVD essentially actor, yeah, is that apparently he has like a he has a a, a really boilerplate writer, yeah. where it's like if you can give me this much money per day, and you can guarantee me these three conditions, I'll come and do your movie. And mm-hmm. so like a lot of people, it's like if you have a million dollars, but you can give Bruce Bruce Willis two hundred thousand dollars to show up for one day. Yeah. Then you can put them on your movie poster. <laughs> Although now I'm really intrigued because I was just checking out like the like timeline of like his films, and yeah. obviously he has a handful of like weird one-off things like Rock the Casbah, which wasn't good, but it was something different. Um, and um, Lego's movie two, which I'm assuming he was basically playing Bruce Willis. Um, oh my God, there's actually nothing else until. Huh. Until like the rumored John McClain, yeah, where he's John supposed McClain. to be like doing the opening closing monologue, and then the movie's going to be a flashback to when John McClain. Yeah. Although I think that actually got canceled. Um, I think when Disney bought Fox, that was one of the things that died. Yeah, um, that is amazing though because it's like it puts Split uh, and Glass, uh, or I guess Glass is really because he's uncredited yeah. in Split. But um, Glass is his 29... That came out in 2019? Jesus. I know. Um, but 2019. But then, like, you go to... You have to go to... Oh, my God. Red 2? I guess to be... Or Frank... I mean, I'll give Frank... Eh, I'm not even going to give Frank Miller's Sin City a Dame to Kill for be <laughs> the, like, last film because I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, Red 2 or... It was... Uh, 2013 was his last year that he starred in anything to give a damn about which was red to gi joe retaliation and a good day to uh die hard um all in that year nothing else and then like then it was like looper and moonrise kingdom and like a bunch of things that like you'd actually want to be attached to um but jesus christ that's i didn't think it was seven years yeah, um, no, nothing. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, it's also surprising. I got. I mean, this is like. I, I mean, I guess it's a spinoff, but it's like they let they let seven years go by and they didn't remake Die Hard. <laughs> like yeah. they're like, okay, John McClane's gone. We can reboot. Like you know, like Bruce Willis is no longer a thing. We can yeah. now reboot. And yeah, he can executive produce or something like that. But like. I mean, his the guy that played his son in uh, in uh, um, Good Day to Die Hard is not uh, what's his name? Um, He's yeah, Captain John Boomerang in Suicide Squad. What's that? Oh He's yeah, Captain yeah, Boomerang in Suicide Jack Squad. Ford. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's not like he's not a name. Like he has been in like multiple of the largest franchises of the or larger franchises not all the good ones yeah. it was terminator genesis Di- divergent suicide yeah. squad and a die hard it's die yeah. hard. so i mean like not the best ones 
but <laughs> he also was in West What Hot American Summer ten years later. TV series. Oh yeah, that's right. Super fucking weird. Which right. I never finished because yeah. it was one of those. Like, it wasn't even that bad. It's just that I feel like Wet Hot American Summer is one of those things that, like, it, it was perfect just as it was, as a, like, 90-minute di- di- diversion. And then I watched the first miniseries, the, the the first day of Camp One or whatever, the prequel series. And I was like, eh, it was funny. It was fine. And then I got, like, an episode into the 10 years later one, and I'm like, first of all, they should have done this one first because it makes more sense because they teed it up in the fucking movie. But second of all, now that I've watched 10 hours of uh, Wet Hot American Summer, I don't think I need any more. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there should have been, maybe if you wanted to do something, there should have been like a follow-up movie. And that's it. Like, that's it. Like, and like, I okay. think it was. I think the only reason it was a TV show is because Netflix was willing at that time to do the Arrested Development model. Where they were like, nobody has to be in the same room at the same time. We'll just figure it out. Um, like, I know that uh, I read somewhere that, uh, what's her name, from uh, The Happy Town Murders and Tammy. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I Melissa remember. McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she had shot a role for that that was all on green screen, I guess, like at home somewhere. And yeah. they just, like, rotoscoped her into the show um anyway there was this this is a long uh, long way i mean there are, we're talking about spinoffs and we're talking about sequels and that sort yeah. of thing i mean like it's relevant at least we're not talking about whatever um but, but <laughs> yeah. by the way that episode is coming the reason that it hasn't come out yet is because it's three hours long and i was listening to it to make sure that i didn't need to do any edits and yeah. we had a sound drop out in the middle and i Which needed to cut this? around it the fletch one Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I had, we had a sound drop out in the middle yeah. that I had to cut around, and I was almost done editing, and yeah. my computer ran out of batteries. And when I came back into Audacity, the whole thing was lost, and yes. so now I have to do that all over again. Um, it's fun times. So we did do a podcast that none of you actually knew about uh, we, because why done, would you possibly know I, about? I feel like there's like three of them on my computer at this point that I just need to find and clean up because I feel like <laughs> the last couple of times we've been rec- like it used to be that, we, that I, I wasn't always this tired. And so like we could record <laughs> late at night and I just like slap music on the motherfucker and like mm-hmm. publish it at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's like, no, I want I need to sleep as soon as we're done recording. Maybe I'll do this tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, but yeah, on that note, because my wife's got work in five hours, we should God, circle we back never, around. We Don't barely even tra- talked about the film at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll say this: I like. I was not crazy about the character of uh, Dennis, the the Terminator robot, yeah. but I did think Anthony Kerrigan uh, was really good with it. And, and kind of stole every scene he was in towards the end of the movie. Uh, once he was allowed to unlock the personality and not just be like generic killer robot. Um, it very much felt like he was them leaning into the weird in the same way that they did with Bogus Journey with Station and Beth. Um, <clears throat> but. It's, um, I, I mean, I would say like, it's a film that uh, um, 
I'm trying to remember whether you can you can rent it right. Um, oh, like nice. it's a it's a film that I I would definitely consider like immediately following up and trying to watch again as soon as you can, um, because like I feel like I'm missing I'm missing that and like I may I think tomorrow I'll probably just put it on again. Um, not especially now that I uh, actually own it, not just watching. Yeah. Movie. Um, but, uh, um, it is, it, it, it's a, it's a good film. I mean, it's certainly, I, I certainly out of the, um, I, I, it's one of those things where I, I wonder like the films that are released that aren't like fucking tenant, um, yeah. which is a whole different conversation we should have, um, <laughs> which I've ranted about and then didn't, I did not know that there were Nolan bros. I didn't know oh, that yeah. that was a thing. I had somebody call me every expletive in the book because I said, hey, maybe Nolan should have let this film be released on digital, too. And he was like, you don't know. See, I mean, like I was like, I haven't been called that word by white supremacists. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, uh, But um um but uh it is it it is film that uh i mean like fucking hell if you can see this film um uh i i still like if if it wasn't two and a half hours away if it was an hour and a half away i would have been like we have to go see this in in uh at the drive-in yeah Uh, not only because like like, i i I, if somebody says you want to go to a drive-in movie i'll be like uh what i don't care what the film is because i fucking love drive-in movies um but um like the fact that like you can actually talk like and not feel like a complete and utter dick like and things like that like we're like uh that sounds fucking fantastic uh but sadly our our local drive-in has not had it yet and like the closest one is like is is like two and a half hours away last time i checked at least well there Uh, was there was one in minetto which i think is only an hour from me Um, yeah minetto uh, that's what i heard um shit uh, i would have gone to fucking see that with or without i I thought i told you you, i'm sorry Um, no i i know that there was one that was uh like saratoga not even saratoga springs it was uh um albany and then north of albany i know that there was one up there like yeah. the last time i had checked but like i checked on like two days two three days before it was released so yeah, i got, I I got a text from from ryan's lomac at like eight in the morning on thursday or something being like hey we're gonna go see bill and ted tomorrow in Minetto if you want to go and i because we had the plans that ultimately got rained out and didn't happen yeah. uh, i told them i couldn't do it but 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 had I known that you didn't know, I could have just told you like, oh yeah, we can do that because we got rained out here. Yeah. Um, well, if it's uh, sometime this week, anyway, that's uh, all beside yeah. the point. Um, but like, it is one of those films where I'm like, I think it would be fucking hella fun to watch it in theaters, um, uh, or not in theaters, but you mean like in in a theatrical setting, whether yeah. that be drive-in or whatever. I don't know if it's necessarily worth it to see. It would be worth it if there was not a pandemic on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to see it in theaters, I would say that. Let me add that caveat because, like, like yes, I totally fucking get that. Tenant, if I had a preference, I would rather see a movie like Tenant in the fucking IMAX theater in comfy seats with yeah. good surround sound as opposed to on my TV. Like, yeah. obviously, but like. If if he refuses if they refuse to release it in the um 
in a drive-in setting or whatever. And especially considering our movie theaters seem to be, I can't figure out what the hell is going on with them. I thought they were supposed to be open, but they seem to not be. Um, well, uh, I, I, Shopping Town as a mall has not reopened. Like, well, I mean, the, the, like people who go, the people who have who rent and, there can't get into well, the and, and movie tavern, as far as I can tell, like I was looking for movie tavern yeah. releases, which is our like, it's our um, what's the nice theater um, in Austin? Uh, oh, my God. Alamo. Alamo. The Alamo theater chain. It's like our Alamo, our local one that has like yeah. really nice seats, food and everything. Like yeah. that's the only place that like we've had this discussion where it's like we'd actually go see a movie potentially yeah. in that setting because they only allow two and they it's like you're two feet o- at minimum you're two feet away from the next person no matter what and like they're not gonna anyway but um they haven't opened up either but anyway the, if you have a chance to see it in uh drive-in go see it in drive-in yeah um it's yeah. definitely worth it it's definitely be a fun as hell film to watch in a drive-in especially with other people especially if you have you know, friends with that are in our demographic, which is, you know, like 30 to 45 sort of thing that has a um, preference for <laughs> Bill and Ted, the Bill and Ted world. Um, I would definitely recommend it. Um, if not, then, uh, you know, Voodoo, um, probably some other places. You can buy the whole trilogy for $35, uh, which is yeah. not a bad fucking deal. Yeah, uh, it's actually, I, uh, <laughs> I will say that as much as it would have been nice for them to uh to make it easier to stream the older ones uh yeah. from what i can tell i saw a, a i saw a chart a sales chart for fandango now and voodoo and uh this was number one face the music was number one the other two bill and ted movies were both in i think the top 10 and then yeah. the on the 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 bundle chart which is basically bundles and tv seasons yeah uh that the the Bill and Ted bundle was the number one like TV yeah. season sold so so clearly like it, it only made a million bucks uh, because our theater system is irredeemably broken and so as soon as they decided to do di- day and date digital all the big theater chains refused to screen it um, yeah. which is why you can only find it in like a handful of drive-ins across the country but yeah, exactly. uh, but. Uh, it only made a million bucks in, in theaters because they made that choice. Uh, but then they uh, they seem to have done, and obviously, like, there's no way to quantify dollars on home video in the same way you can at theaters. But based on just, like, comparatively, it seems like they made a bunch of money uh, yeah. off of this this weekend, both, both in terms of selling it directly and also in terms of the extra money that you pick up from reselling the, the, the catalog stuff because of the new release being a hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, all right. So, uh, I, like I said, for me, I loved it. Uh, I, I would say, you know, go see it in whatever way makes you the most happy. I, I don't, I, I've reached the point now where I'm so angry with the, the fucking childish theatrical exhibitors okay. that I have basically yeah. no desire to go to a movie theater anytime soon because it's like you're not being safe and you're asking a lot of people. And then you're being dicks about people who try to be better for their customers. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. But, uh, but so to me, it's like uh, even if the, even if there was a theater around here, like I'd go to I'd go to the drive-in. But like if Shopping Town, you know, Lowe's opened up tomorrow, I probably wouldn't go there. Yeah. No. Um, I'm like I, like I said, the only place that I um, with or with with or without you sort of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I definitely obviously like we've had this conversation before. Like 
theatrical experience like this this pandemic has been like i'd never realized how much um as a person who's been like my god like i don't know how many films i've seen in theaters um like the theatrical releases has always been a bigger thing for me than it has been for you. Um, and, uh, hence why we're the Emerald city video podcast, as opposed to, um, I don't know what the fuck else it would be. Um, theatrical (laughs) release podcast. Um, (laughs) you know, but, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it has been like a real, real goddamn emotional hit for me because we like the number of films that I've seen, I'm like, I have no interest I just need to physically be inside of a, a movie theater and watching a film that I've seen yeah. like because of that uh, and like not being able to see that for like do that at all for the last six months. Yeah. Even if I had a chance to like, like I said, like the only the only theater locally to me, like to us, that, yeah, would, that, be, seems, would, be like, that seems like it would be potentially safe. <laughs> where it'd be like also just like if they have vinyl seats, like things yeah. like like cleaning wise, like I feel like. Yeah. Even if they don't do it, like, I feel like I can bring in, you know, whatever. Um, Not that, like, upstate New York is, like, not a pandemic hotspot or anything like that, but I'm like... No, but it's it's also... Still, part is not... Part of my problem is that because we are not a pandemic hotspot, nobody around here takes it seriously. Exactly, Which means I I have this problem where it's, like, one can become 64 really quickly in a place where nobody's taking it seriously. And and, Um, and if it becomes 64, nobody gives a shit anyway, because, like... California and whatever other Florida yeah. still has 4,000. You're like, oh, who the yeah, fuck cares? Exactly. But it still means you fucking have a good chance of people, fam- family members that are attached to you dying or whatever else happens. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. with with our family, like we're going to go back into like serious lockdown mode for a couple of weeks because like Callie's starting her new job as a teacher. My kids have to go to school at some point. It's like you have all of these like there's going to be a lot more contact points in this house. And so, like, we're really, like, locking down a little bit and just being like, okay, well, for the next two weeks, we want to, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun times. Um, But, yeah, Bill and Ted, uh, Bill and Ted based the music. For me, it was a five-star movie. Uh, I I loved it. Uh, It was, like I said, it it was my most anticipated movie of this year, and it it was pretty much exactly what I wanted slash needed it to be. Uh, and, And a big part of that, I think, is just... Um, it is comfort food. Like it's not, it's not a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. But uh, but again, that's kind of what Bill and Ted is all about. <laughs> yeah, I know. It it's it, uh, it definitely like um, it'd be interesting to watch this film in a different era um, and see how, for at least. And by the way, happy birthday, Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah. Um, That's right. Sorry, Twitter. Literally, I was just looking at uh, like Twitter's open up on my other screen. It's like Happy Birthday, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember if that was yesterday or today. Yeah. Like, uh, if it's, uh, uh, I assume now. I assume it's today. Like, as in it's one thirty a.m. Um, yeah, so I didn't see I it beforehand. It uh, as in, yeah, September second. But anyway, uh, party on, dude. Party. Um, but <laughs> I will say, Samara Weaving delivered the like i i did genuinely and, and of course i have a like a like she could you know she's one of my actresses that i'm like i don't care like you can just be in a film and like immediately it goes up two stars because i just love you being in the film uh, but like i i thoroughly enjoyed her being uh being in this film um <laughs> like every time she said party on or whatever else yeah. like any of the catchphrases i was like ah okay yeah that works 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I would uh, four. I would say four. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it just again, it was like it was just like the uh, reboot film where it was like, I don't know what else. I don't know what I expected. I don't know what else I expected. Um, but um, it like both of them seem to be relying a little bit too much on their previous incarnations and that yeah. was like a little bit disappointing but like you know it's like one of those like yeah but what i don't know it, it, it would be hard to look back and be like does die hard three you know rely too much on its previous incarnations? Yeah, i'm like as a person who is actually stopped watching and i don't actually enjoy die hard 3 anymore uh, die hard 1 and 2 are the only films that i actually enjoy um like thoroughly and rewatch continually um but but yeah anyway that's me ranting long about it Please. that's all right that's all right uh before we go i should just add this uh there's a guy called charlie ridgely who works at comic book and he's he's our notorious like he likes everything guy mm-hmm. um he just uh, about an hour ago tweeted you know that feeling when your favorite chips in the whole world start to go stale? Like you can't stop eating them because they taste so good, but you hate how they feel in your mouth and you wish you could spit them out? Yeah. Anyway, I saw Tenet. Yeah, I've seen a couple reviews like that from Tenet. And like, I, I like the trailer that I've, like all the trailers, I'm like, everything that Nolan, I hate Nolan. Like, I hate him as a person. Yeah. Um, But I don't hate him his films it's just like it's 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 just like uh gillam at this point he's a not a good not not a pleasant person yeah um i love his fucking films Um, no and i i agree on both fronts yeah (laughs) and so it's like nolan where it's just like but like i've been wait i've been kind of sort of waiting for the like when is he going to become too nolan yeah, <laughs> and it, I mean Gillum had the you know Gillum has already hit that peak I think at that point where he's like he's due Gillum for for a lot yeah. the like unless you're like the absolute like five percent Gillum hardcore fan base who like it wouldn't change for whatever but like Nolan where I'm like I wonder if this is the one because like I thought that uh, um, oh my God his World War II film uh midway in that midway um (laughs) that he would be pissed off if you said that to him um oh my god we're clearly did this exact same thing last time but last time i was able to pull it out of my butt so clearly (laughs) not british because any british person would be like well it's clearly this film everyone knows this this point in history anyway his his world war ii film um which uh, we will certainly lose Nolan Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk, thank you. Um, like, to me, it was like, oh, this is the film that he'll lose fans with. And then people feel, still fucking love it. Like, I just recently saw it because obviously anytime a, a new film from a director comes out, people start looking back at the previous yeah. one. I just saw it like Dunkirk is a masterpiece. And I'm like, is it? Is it though? <laughs> like, is it like, is it not like a really great film that, a again could have been edited down to like seventy-five to fifty percent of its original yeah. length. Um, but or is it just a film like a great film that is all the things that make up a great film in different parts 
But the most important thing is it's it's a moment in history. It's it's a film about a moment in history that is incredibly important. Right. You know, like it is like, how can you not make a great film about Dunkirk? You know, the story. Most people know the story that anyone who's like read World War Two history and be like, yeah, that'd be a great film to make. Like, of course, Nolan would be a great person to make it. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, is it, though? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there are parts, every little piece of parts, and you're like, yeah, no, it's it's like the longest day. Like, yeah. how do well, you make- We talked yeah. about it even yeah. even at the time when we reviewed it, where we were a lot more positive than we've, we've been on rewatch. Yeah. Um, but even then, it was kind of this conversation of, like, it's a much better movie than it is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um also, the problem, I mean, again, I mean, like, uh, we were talking about Nolan, but I mean, like, the biggest problem with Nolan films, I think, there's some of the Nolan films, is the fact that, like, can you, can you, like, to me, I think it's really important in 20, in the 2000s, can you yeah. watch this film on your laptop and enjoy it as much yeah. as you, or in the same way, or whatever, whatever the caveat is? And I'm like, I don't know if I will ever want to watch. At any interest whatsoever in watching Dunkirk on even my 43 inch 4K. Yeah, no, it, right it is a, it's a like when you when he's constantly playing with like film formats and yeah. like sizes and all this, like it really does narrow the like narrow the yeah. ultimate appeal of the film yeah. because it's like okay, once you're not seeing it on the big screen and you're not seeing all the bells and whistles, like a lot of the appeal is gone. Yeah, like, I mean, like, I mean, like, and if, and like, the fact that, like, because I, I've tweeted like once or twice about it, where I was just like, if your favorite director basically is saying that you need, you can only watch his new film, or uh, of course, I'm just gonna say his new film because I don't know, yeah. I, I there's no scenario where I can imagine her new film being released in theaters because um, I can't re- imagine a female director being like. No, only my you can only watch my (laughs) film in this scenario. Like there's just no like (laughs) but um not only because I don't believe a woman saying that, but I also don't believe like a woman a female director having the power in Hollywood to be like, fuck you. You're gonna risk your fucking life to go see my film. Or you're not gonna see it. Sorry. (laughs) Because that's what Nolan is saying right now, where it's just like, no, you're gonna risk your life in most of this country. Never mind yeah. the fact that I'm like, I don't know where I can see this film within three hours of, of where I live, because just like the same thing with the uh, uh, same thing with Dunkirk, where it was just like, yeah, I would. <clears throat> fuck Yes, I would. If I'm going to watch fucking Dunkirk, I want to see it in the, you know, the IMAX, the film format that he wants yeah. to see it in. And it was just like, oh, I have to drive two and a half fucking hours. I'm like, no, like, yeah. I don't know a director like, OK, actually, <laughs> <laughs> the only film that we both both of us have driven more than two and a half hours to see in a theater is what, Russ? Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> yes. Which was actually more than two and a half because it was like... Yes, it was New York City, so it was five hours each way. But... <laughs> <laughs> I just love if I ever if I ever meet Christopher Nolan, that would be that would be the first story <laughs> you could tell him like so so I really wanted to see your film, uh, but I had to drive two I would have to drive two and a half hours to see it in the in the format that you want. 
but the only film that I've seen this way. Josie <laughs> 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 the Pussycats. And my, the best scenario of that story where Christopher Nolan would be like, you know, I would have done that same thing. <laughs> I, like that film too. <laughs> I don't know. Just, I imagine that he talks very quietly. I've never I, seen him. I, I, I imagine. So he, first of all, that little point thing you did, yeah. like I've never I've never seen video of him, but I've seen still photos where he's doing that all the fucking time. So <laughs> All right. I, I we should we should wrap because I, I have to sleep. But. <laughs> because we have not talked about again, this is this is the like sequel to the Fletch. You you should actually come out. You should actually put this this one out right with Fletch because they're both ones that like we talked about the movie that we yeah. were supposed to be talking about like 10 yeah. percent of the of the hour or whatever it is that we've been talking <laughs> Yeah, I think and that's it, fine. I think I think most I, people I at this point, like the people who listen to this show, are pretty much in it. Yeah, but they're <laughs> not coming for the film reviews. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I oh, 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 one second, one second. I I I I'm actually watching like uh because like I've been watching the Hulu and oh, like yeah. and like Prime movies and I I just watched today because I've been keeping the background and I've been like you know what I'm gonna stop watching the shit that I watch every single fucking day like yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop watching Ready or Not for the 47th time, 75th time. Yeah. 112th time. Um, <laughs> let's be honest. And uh, I watched uh, two films today. Primal, uh, the Nick Cage film where they're uh, uh, locked in a boat and with a really bad CG um, uh, albino leopard. I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just watched the I film. I haven't seen it, but I, I think it is uh, watchable. I'll say that um, he uh, he's not like full Nick Cage or anything like that, but it's 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 serviceable. Um, and uh, Lucky Day on Hulu, um, which is about a guy who just got out of prison and is uh, it's a um, I'm trying to remember the rest of the actors' names, but Crispin Glover is fantastically Crispin Glover in it. Um, he is fantastically C.S. Muncie in this film. Um, <laughs> sorry, like literally, he is like C.S. recently at some point has the same haircut as he has in this film as Crispin Glover has in this film. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to recommend this to Andy. Um, but, uh, and he's his wife. Um, and, but, uh, it is weirdly extraordinarily dark. Uh, basically expect everybody you like to die spoilers. Um, but it's fantastic. Like it has a weird, um, letter, um, uh, the professional aspect to yeah. it is definitely because like half the characters only speak in French. Um, not that there's a lot of subtitles or anything like that, but it's just right. like uh, the little dialogue that is, it is like, I actually thought like halfway through, I was like, uh, maybe I'll just give up and move on. But it was like, it fucking aggressively changed my mind. Um, so uh, lucky day. Um, it's on Hulu for free. Um, if you have Hulu prescriptions, so it's not yeah. really, whatever and uh primal which uh i don't remember what it's on one of those formats i think yeah. netflix is on primal but um but yeah those two films i watched recently and uh they're both uh pandemic watchable that's a that's nice. a thing uh i'll right, I'll, I'll go down similarly uh just to talk about because i've i've, had, I've watched a bunch of movies for recent interviews uh i watched a movie called z not to be confused with the 1969 movie Z. This is 
a different thing yeah. about a mother who ends up essentially uh, in a uh, drop dead Fred style war with her son's imaginary friend. But the imaginary friend in this case is a monster who kills a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, it was it was very bad. However, uh, Keegan Ta- Keegan Connor Tracy, the woman who plays the main character, yeah, was really good in it. And it's one of those things where you're like, the movie was bad because the script was bad, but the script was also clearly written just to be a showcase for like one person who can act the shit out of it. Because like, there's a yeah. lot of scenes that are just her alone. Mm-hmm. Um. And and so it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, you should go, I don't know, look up other movies she's done. I know she was on Once Upon a Time for a while, but like look up other stuff Keegan Tr- Connor Tracy has done. And if you can find something that's good, watch that because uh, she was really good in this really bad script. Um, yeah, there's a I did. A, I watched a movie called The Pale Door. Uh, because I, I interviewed Zachary Knighton for it, uh, and and it's a movie full of like oh I know that person oh I know that person uh, kind yeah. of actors but nobody nobody super famous uh, Knighton is is from uh, oh God what was it Happy Endings the sitcom on ABC yeah. it starts with Zachary Knighton's character being left at the altar um, <laughs> uh, that movie was it was watchable it was entertaining uh the basic premise of it is that the dalton gang uh there's a a train robbery that goes bad they're on the run from the law they find this like ghost town uh and once they get there there's like a uh what uh god what what would you go like a brothel and so knighton's character has been shot he's injured and the women are like oh we'll take care of him everybody else go like hook up with a with a prostitute (laughs) <laughs> and uh and then it like turns out that the brothel are like witches who were burned at the stake 300 years ago and now they're like this is their one day to like come back and something 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 and so it's basically the dalton gang having a shootout with ghost witches um which ghost sounds witches, more fun prostitutes than, it, than yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds more fun than it is. Uh, there's there's definitely some some moments in it. It's like a it's like a three stars out of five kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I watched Immortal, which is a weird like anthology thing. I think there's four stories in it. I can't remember for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's basically uh, did you see the, the stuff for this Zach? Like when the publicists were. I I it, it's it sounds vaguely familiar. Um, so. Basically, what it is is there's this uh, there's there's a this conceit that basically some people are basically Wolverine, like they have you can kill them, but their body will just like self repair and they'll be back in a minute and they're functionally immortal. Okay. And so it's a lot of like uh, O. Henry kind of stories. Yeah. Um, the it starts Dylan Baker is the the essentially the lead of the first one and he's like a high school teacher who uh essentially like takes advantage of one of his students to like she's she's like the beautiful track star girl and so he like kidnaps her and it's like oh well you're gonna be the the most dangerous game because like you're young and fit and whatever yeah. and blah, blah 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 and then he kills her and you find out she's immortal and he can't actually kill her 
Oh, okay. Um, and and so like each each of the sh- the four shorts is is they vary from like okay to very good. Uh, but there's one with Tony Todd that is just really really good. Um, it, he plays a he plays like one half of an older couple. Uh, his wife is dying of terminal cancer. And they have, like, a documentary crew there who are talking to him about the decision to do, like, an assisted suicide. Yeah. Uh, and and from that premise, you can probably guess, like, what happens at the end. Uh, because I saw it coming very early on. But it was really, really well done. And I just – it was the, – the acting in it was great. There's a the, – the documentarian is this girl, Vanessa Lenges, who I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those like one of those things where I'm like in the 12 minutes she had in this movie, she made me want to watch more of her stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that one definitely check out like uh, uh, Immortal. All of these things are now available to, to buy on or buy or rent on your streaming video on demand or, or whatever platforms, because they are everything here is stuff that has come out like between one and six weeks ago at this point, I think. Yeah, wait a minute. Did she actually? Was she actually in? Where is this? Is that name sound? Is she? She's Natasha in Waiting. Oh. That's from uh, uh, the uh, Ryan Reynolds one. Oh, she's the um, inordinately uh, awkwardly attractive uh, hostess uh, at uh, in Waiting. Who plays? She's underage in the film. Um, okay. Like she's 17, and then the manager's awkwardly hitting on, or um, the I guess everyone's basically awkwardly hitting on her, um, and like going to the party or whatever. But holy shit, that's that's actually amazing because like I always wondered what happened to her because she was really fucking good in that role. But it was like yeah. one of those I'm like, is she really good because she's extremely attractive um and awkwardly way too young um yeah and and not being asked to do anything else except for be pretty yeah but i mean she was also very good in like in 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 a film that was otherwise just like uh basically a platform for um my god i'm blanking for ryan reynolds to basically do stand-up yeah. yeah, I mean, which like I I love that I like that film. Uh, no, I enjoyed it. It's gross in so many other ways that years. like in yeah. 2020 probably wouldn't be acceptable. Um, yeah. But uh, having very briefly worked in a restaurant, it it it's always like yeah, that's kind of how it was working in TGI Fridays. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> but yeah, but, um, I yeah uh, the, that. The, I, I would highly recommend though checking out Immortal, and it's one of those things like it, it does because it's an anthology thing, and because each segment is like twenty minutes, and because they're very different, it does feel like it's a better rental than a purchase, which I almost never say on this show, but like it, I, <laughs> From I the feel Emerald like in a lot City of cases, video rental podcast, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, but like I've always been yeah. a person who just buys yeah. shit, yeah. but like. In this case, I, I would suggest renting it before you buy because, yeah. like, it really is one of those things where you could easily be like, wow, that one was really good, but the other three did nothing for me, and I spent $14 to get this. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, since each one is only, like, 20 minutes, I feel like if you only fall in love with one of them, you're not going to feel like that was worth that money. 
like I'm 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 gonna force you at some point in like the next couple of weeks. We have to do a uh, Samara weaving deep dive. Um, now because I've started doing it because I'm like I don't know what the fuck to watch. Like I've seen most everything, and like I'm bored by like I don't want to like I I again like like you were just saying I don't like. I don't want to pay $5 to rent something that I can pay $10 to buy. Yeah. Um, and like, especially on digital, like, and, uh, you know, physical rentals and DVDs. Like I, I have a different, uh, financial paradigm on it and everything like that. Yeah. So like, it's like, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like everything that I've ever seen Samara weaving be in, and this is now the Samara weaving podcast. I'm sorry, Russ. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, um, but like, like everything I've ever seen her in, I fucking love the film. Like, and like, which is weird because like, usually you're like, okay, I'm a big Brad Pitt fan. Like this film was shit, but like Brad Pitt was still fantastic in it. But like yeah, every film that I've seen her in so far, like I love the film. Like, um, I, I just, um, I just watched, um, the, oh my God, where the fuck is it? Uh, Mayhem, uh, with uh, uh, Walking Dead uh, favorite um, uh, Stephen Yoon. Oh uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. like I know it's an old one. It's tw- oh, it's not even that old. Jesus Christ, it feels like ages. Um, 2017. Like it. It's a film that I know that like because it was Walking Dead attached. It got some buzz yeah. and then like it is fucking fantastic. Like he is like I. He was one of my more favorite characters on the show on a show that I didn't really care too much for. Um, And so, like, he was, like, one of the, like, I have no interest in the show anymore once he's gone sort of thing. Spoilers. Um, Sorry, guys. If you're, like, five years behind on or ten years, whatever the fuck, how many years behind on Walking Dead? Um, I think it's four. I'm not sure. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I know my mom was, like, emotionally crushed when it happened. Um, But uh, he's fucking fantastic in that and bothers me that he doesn't have like every leading role because he's great as a leading role and yeah. Samara Weaving is fantastic as a uh, co-star in the film especially in the role that she plays in the film like yeah. basically uh, like if you've seen um if you've seen if you've seen ready or not which if you listen to this podcast are you fucking kidding me like how have you yeah. made it anyway but um, like she plays a very similar role, which isn't surprising. She very she very much plays similar roles. Um, I uh, um, I also did a, a Guns Akimbo. I think is uh, available on Prime for free now. Uh, I think so right, yeah. like this is your opportunity to see it um, because whatever you feel about the director and you can Google it. Um, <laughs> it's a fun film. It's fun as hell. Like Harry Potter is in all of his roles that he's played since Harry Potter, I love him 10,000 times more than any moment in any of the Harry Potter series oh, he ever played because he's like, I'm going to play a dead body. For like, yeah. I'm going to play a rotting corpse for an entire film. Like fucking great, man. Like yeah. you are fucking like, I fucking love him. Um, but like, he's fantastic in this film. He has guns belted, bolted to his hands. Um, and, uh, goes up against like a badass Samara weaving who is, has, has PTSD issues and things like that. It's fucking fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like that's, that's, those are the two that I've liked. And if you are looking for, unfortunately, which I think is cruel, um, if you have, uh, you have to buy it, um, 21 bridges 
Chadwick uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman's um, film uh, from 2019. Yeah. Um, did do really well. Like I think it did okay at the theaters. Um, and I guess in the middle of like a not exactly positive police scenario, it would not necessarily be like a good film, whatever. But he plays a um, a cop basically investigating, trying to find out the uh, uh, find out the two people that murdered um, seven, I think it was seven cops um, yeah. in, a, in a drug shootout sort of thing. And um, it's a relative. It, I wrote a thing on Twitter that was like basically like he. He's basically like there's a series of films that he plays where it's like I could see Denzel Washington playing this 20 years yeah. ago. Absolutely. Like it'd be the same film. It'd be whatever. And like in no way, shape and form is that a negative thing? Like, right. <laughs> like, but it's the small films. It was just like out of time. If you ever watch Denzel Washington's out of time, it's a solid fucking film. It's a great yeah. film. It's not a film that you're like, well, Denzel Washington was in Malcolm X. He was in, yeah. you know, like, American, whatever, like all these films and like, but also out of time. And like, like, that was a fucking great film. I don't know why I don't like it's, which is by the way, I I think it's on Amazon prime right now. Um, But 21 bridges is uh, he's fucking fantastic. And it's a film that would probably be a D level film that would still probably be pretty good if it was another actor, but as literally everything that Chadwick Boseman has ever done, um he escalates it to like at least a b a high b level film and that's not a thing against him that's a thing against the con the film concept and things like that right but like go through don't you've seen his fucking marvel films like you don't need to see like go through his fucking catalog of shit um not shit (laughs) but you know be like his work um, because like, that's what I've been doing where it's just like, eh, everybody's fucking talking about everybody on my Twitter feed is talking about, oh, I just rewatched black Panther. I'm like, I, I fucking love black Panther. I don't need to see it again. It's a fucking masterwork within the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, but like his, his other work, like, yeah, but I've back. already seen it 12 times. And so yeah, maybe exactly. I'll check. <laughs> like, it's also, I mean, like black Panther is also one of those films where I'm like, because of the politics and everything like that, that are around it. Like every time I rewatch it, I'm a little like, oh. <laughs> especially considering Chadwick Boseman's role is black Panther, where I'm like, I keep leaning towards Killmonger. Yeah. <laughs> like every time I watch it. But anyway, anyway, we're too long. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Thanks, everybody, for listening to us talk about everything except for Bill and Ted Face the Music tonight. And uh, be back here by noon on the fifth day for more from Emerald City Video. And always remember to rewind your cassettes, which, by the way, one final thought, won't be useful probably for most people. But this Friday, uh, which is uh, September 4th, uh, not only does Rachel Lee Cook's new movie come out on uh, on Netflix and Polly Shore's new movie come out on uh, streaming – but also, Mandy comes out on VHS. Uh, if you go to, to uh, Witter Entertainment, I think it is, or whatever the that are you gonna fucking bring up Mandy? And I don't think have you actually seen Mandy? Yeah, yeah. You have? We have not. Why have we not reviewed it? Uh, because it, I didn't see it till it was on Blu-ray, so it was not super timely. <laughs> But okay, we'll talk we about we we'll talk about stuff. it one of these days. Yes. Yeah, we should do a, a, a like a staff picks kind of episode where we can just <laughs> run down stuff. So, everybody, good night. Bye, Mandy on VHS. (laughs) Yes.
Hey, hey, hey.